So it's Jason Stamp, comedian, uh, comedy promoter, and uh, judging by your microphone, I reckon podcaster too as well. Hello, mate. You're right. Yeah, very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm all right, mate. All right. So you're very professional with your uh, pop-up thing being there. <laughs> it just came with the mic, <laughs> <laughs> which I think someone sent me a link to. I've got right. no idea of this stuff. So <laughs> well, I'll be honest. Um, I'm not really set up. I know a lot of people like have a man room with all their stuff set up. I know Kai does. Um, I-, I bought the kit. I, I mean, I really am all the gear, no idea. But I've got nowhere to put it either. So I have yeah, to wait. The same, yeah. I have to wait for the missus to fuck off to work. <laughs> <laughs> so I can book in a podcast. So then, Jason, what what, what you been up to this morning? Give, give me a bit of domestic bliss. This morning, I'd say, I'll be honest, like the normal weekend routine is my wife will get up, uh, make us a coffee to bring back to bed, let the dog out, all that kind of stuff. Uh, because normally I've got back... F- quite late from a gig i don't want to get up too late in the morning because otherwise i'm I'm getting to that age where i feel like i've wasted the day if i'm up past like yeah. half eight nine whereas like you know a bit where you slowly dying inside realizing i need to be up early to then actually waste the day myself anyway but like yeah. i need the option but so yeah a normal weekend is jess will get up makes coffee come back there we'll have a little chin wag i tell her about the gig last night because normally i've got back quite late whereas the reality of it was i was at a local gig last night i was home by quarter past 10 so Lovely. really i should i should have got up and made coffee but it's just not the thing yeah. i'm like i'm not i'm nowhere morning person in that i hate waking up but i'm not grumpy the, the minute i'm awake i'm fine yeah. like i'm not a grumpy person doesn't like i'm a bit of a i'm a bit zoned out for the first sort of 10 minutes or so but then i'm fine but yeah it's um it's not something i've ever been i think i've just with comedy in particular, it's just become such a night owl in that, yeah. you know, before I met Jess, I would get back from a gig, say 12, half 12, then I'd start my evening. Like, cause you wouldn't get in from a day job at six and go, right, I'm going to bed. Yeah. Like, you, you have something to eat. You watch a bit of telly, you wind down, blah, blah, blah. So it just got to the point where I was like living like a student. I was like going to bed three, four in the morning, like yeah. and still getting up about half eight, nine. Cause you didn't want to feel like you're wasting anything. And then just yeah. Being a bit bounce arsy. around doing that. Yeah. So, you tired. It's nice to have it. And then, uh, yeah, then I went and walked the dog. Um, and that's been about it this morning. Yeah, nice, nice, nice little steady start to the Saturday. Any any plans to uh, drop something off at a tip or? Not this weekend, no. <laughs> well, I've got a. It's, yeah, obviously, as you know, in comedy, your weekends become a bit different. It's like, I don't, we don't tend to do too much of the domestic stuff. That has to be kind of really booked in. When I worked in, just after lockdown, I was working at Travis Perkins. Um, or still during the pandemic, really, when I needed to go and get some work. Because <laughs> obviously we couldn't do comedy anymore. I would do, um, I was working at a Travis Perkins, which was great fun, great lads, like the customers or builders and stuff. So it's just like you're having a laugh all day, basically. And then, but on a Saturday, you'd have to do every other Saturday morning, 8 till 12. And it really sort of showed me what people's lives are like at quarter to 12 every Saturday when you had those guys diving into the yard like, if I don't, get a project on this weekend i'm gonna to have to talk to my wife 
Like, yeah, they're yeah. running in like, I'm going to build a bird table or fix the shed or so. Just give me a bit of wood that I can carry home, look like I'm doing something and just sit out of her way all weekend. And you're like, mate, just go talk to her. This is like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm no DIY person. I'm properly, it. properly shit at it. Uh, I mean, you know, I'll have a go every now and then, but I just know... It feels completely soul destroying spending ten times as long doing something where, where your average Joe who's good at it can spend you know do it and knock it out in a second. I think I well, like there's other things I can do that can make a difference. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I feel the same way. I feel like there's a lot of talk now, but I mean, I mean, I'm 42 and there's a lot of talk. You know, people are that sort of age going the like the generation blast doesn't know how to do this. They haven't got these skills. They haven't got that. I think a lot of it bypassed me as well because like my my father-in-law absolute like legend he can turn his hand to anything he's that guy that you say oh i'm gonna do this really specific job and he's got the tool for it because mm. he did it himself 18 years ago and bought every bit of kit he needed yeah. whereas i can't put a shelf up like i'd have to really like i'd have to set away set aside half a day to figure it out and do yeah. it like and youtube videos and all the rest exactly of it, that yeah and i'm 42 <laughs> like i can change a tire and that is about the most manly thing i can manage and that was out of necessity on the side of a motorway one day and i had to figure yeah. it out exactly <laughs> that i mean you i'd always do- just pay the guy yeah exactly that i mean you can do if you if you got a diy task you can divide your time up roughly into three so more more or less one third youtubing another third going to the uh, diy shop buying the tools (laughs) and 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 coming back realizing you haven't got the right one so you have to go back again because that that normally happens and then the rest of the time actually doing the task whereas the the, the, your guy just knows how to do it and he just gets on with it you know it's the same with comedy, though. Like in the, again, like my background in re- retail and stuff. I was a manager at Screwfix for years, so I saw those guys come in every weekend two or three times because they bought the wrong bit. But especially in Cambridge, there was a real, there's a real um, type of customer that just you know they were a lecturer or a doctor, so they refused to believe a plumber would know more than them about any given subject. <laughs> so they would just be back and forth, and then they would expect a seventeen-year-old on the counter to walk them through how to replumb the <laughs> like that or what right. sink or whatever, because they just refused to believe they had to pay someone. You know, there's a woman at home screaming at them like, "Jeff, just pay someone to come and do this." No, <laughs> no it cannot be that complicated. I do open heart surgery. Yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. paying some oik to come around here. So, because they just dismissed the fact that this guy spent X amount of years on an apprenticeship, working on site, yeah, all, yeah. all to the point where they can charge you 80 quid to come and do that simple job. Yeah, exactly. Like, same with comedy. Like you'll, you'll go to a gig and somebody will be like, well, that's decent money for a 20 minutes work, isn't it? And you're like, yeah, yeah, but it took me 13 years for someone to ask me to come and do that 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> that. Exactly. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Are you full-time now then, Jason? Yeah, just balancing between, I think, Having running gigs as well is the thing that gives you that sort yeah. of balance out, gives you a bit more stability. And even then, as you know, it's still not stable. It's as stable as you can get in comedy. We've been able to um, guarantee a little bit or at least see what's coming up. I think gigging for other people, I've spoken to other acts about this recently as well. It seems to be harder and harder to kind of um, even just get paid. Like people are taking so long to pay now. Um, you know, it's very hard to kind of get any consistency with it. So at least with your own stuff, you can see what the tickets are doing and yeah. you can kind of get an idea where you're going to be and, and balance it out like that. So it's been good. I had a really busy sort of last three, four months of last year. Summer was pretty quiet, but overall it was busy last year. I've sort of steadily come back in this year. I didn't do, I've done, what is it? end of january and i've done about six or seven this month but i I was sort of purposely didn't want to put loads in 
because it had just been manic up till Christmas. And then, um, yeah, so uh, whereas it's all sort of kicking off again now, like it's, you know, back to back to being busy again, which is good. But you do, even as much as I love it, you do get into that bit where you're like, I'm going to have to go. Like there was a bit over Christmas where I hadn't driven a car for 10 days, which is unheard of in comedy. Yeah, like, nice, I was like, I, I even if like we that. nipped out, Jess would just like, oh, I'll drive you, drive everywhere kind of thing. So it's like, and um, so I'd just sit there like, yeah, being driven around like the president. It was amazing. But um, <laughs> she's, a better, she's a better driver than me as well. <laughs> I, I haven't said, I should, tell, I should have told the listeners straight up at the beginning who you are and what you do. I might, have to, I might have to do that. Well, let, let, let me just shoehorn it in here. And, 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 yeah, so, no so, so it's Jason Stamp, <laughs> comedian, uh, comedy promoter, and uh, judging by your microphone, I reckon podcaster too as well. Did I see that you're, you're starting off a pod? Yeah, I've got a couple of things in the pipeline at the moment. It's just been trying to get, because you know, but anyway, it's about consistency. So we started off, so we've got, I started off one with, because I run um, a company called Big Deal Comedy, uh, sort of based around Cambridgeshire. And I run that with my sister, so um, which everyone just assumes she's my wife, which is quite funny because I got <laughs> married about 18 months ago and then everyone's like, you can see Leanne as a bridesmaid at the wedding, but it's like, congratulations, you guys. And then Leanne had a baby not long after and then I was getting messages like, well done, mate. And I'm like, I can assure you I've had very little to do with it. <laughs> and, um, different if it was Norfolk. Yeah, exactly right so um yeah no um we've started a podcast called the mum's favorite child podcast where we basically we get all these stories about sibling rivalries and all that which some of them end up like real because you know our generation as well you try to kill each other that's yeah. just how that works whereas i think the weird thing with me and Leanne is there's like six years between us so we never really we have the other argument odd argument over growing up but we kind of didn't really crossover in that time when we were both at our most annoying i would say so it's like we've always got on really well but then we've seen, I've, I've seen really... pictures on the facebook jason i'm assuming she's younger than you right yeah definitely yeah jesus <laughs> um easily yeah and um so, 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 so. a paper round she was the baby but uh yeah it's that thing where it's like we've always got on really well but then when you know people that have got a sibling within a year two years of each other there's mm. always been friction especially when they were younger so yeah. we've had real fun going through stories and stuff like that but it's supposed to be weekly and we were doing fine with that and then obviously real life gets in the way and you've got to try and tie it up with she's got yeah. young kids yeah, so it's yeah, not yeah. as easy for her to um abby's like 18 months or something like that her daughter so she doesn't understand that mum needs a bit of quiet for an hour to do this podcast so yeah, yeah, yeah. um so yeah it's a little bit sporadic sporadic at the moment but um it'll be weekly and then i'm about to start one with aaron J as well um which uh was filming the first ones on monday so i'll be coming out so that's a football one so that's kind of a real bit of a All passion right. project okay. for us just to um yeah, it's got a bit of a twist that uh, Aaron came up with, and uh, I think it's just going to be a lot of fun to do, and I think it will be really wind people up, so it's going to be good. Um, well, we'll look out for that, mate. Well, what I like what we thought about the football thing is because I love football, but I don't. I wouldn't talk about it on stage. It's not something I get into, kind of thing. But it doesn't, you know, I can. It doesn't ruin my weekend if there was a bad result, sort of thing. I, I like to be involved and watch it and all the rest of it, but it doesn't take over. Like the Jurgen Klopp stuff came out yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you're a Man U, you're a yeah. legitimate Man U fan, and I'm a Cambridge Man U fan. Um, so it's two different things. But the uh, honestly, listening to Talksport yesterday, I've never heard so many scousers crying. Like, it was one guy. <laughs> it's it's was not on better Talksport. sound, right? <laughs> yeah, I was enjoying it. Yeah, it was, it was like it's now my ringtone. But like, there was a guy <laughs> on there, literally, like I can hear his lip quivering, and he's saying to the guys, like, jet, and he was genuine. He was crying. He was going, I, I, I'd rather it was my wife that had left me. <laughs> 
I mean, look, it's, it's a funny attitude there with some of them. It really is, but yeah, yeah, I mean, the first the first thing I thought about that was, uh, is he coming to United? Because like Ineos, <laughs> they've been poaching everybody, haven't they? I thought, hey, I wonder, yeah. I wonder if they've rumbled him. But uh, he came out and said explicitly, I couldn't work for anybody else in the Premiership. He definitely couldn't work for them, but how funny would that be if he did? Yeah. Like honestly, that <laughs> there would be, uh, yeah, forget about what's going on elsewhere in the world. There would be a genuine war between those two places. Yeah. I mean, it's happened once before, but it didn't end well. Brian Clough went to Leeds when Leeds were rivals. To... I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, the, the old uh, damned, yeah, damned United. So, yeah. Days were, yeah, damned United, that was it, yeah. I've seen that and read a lot about that because he was such a crazy character but yeah yeah so that's the podcast um yeah so the mum's favorite child and the new one that's coming out but yeah the um yeah so it's just you know what it's like it's just dabbling with anything in your head you're a bit like obviously we would love a podcast to blow up and pay all the bills and all the rest yeah. of it but the reality is if it sells a couple of tickets a month because someone listens to it and they like it then i'm kind of cool and it's a fun thing to do um you know it's it's just a fun thing to do in it general. is yeah. and, and you don't know what good things will come out of it you know Exactly. Yeah, who knows? And um, there's worse ways to spend your time. I think it's so easy to procrastinate when you've got a lot of spare time. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's good to have little things to, you know, little things to schedule in and all the sure. rest of it. Sure. Let me let let me uh let me let me fling fling some more stuff at you. I, I was going to take you through the, the normal promoter mouse pod uh, format, just so it's for, for nothing else. Give give me uh, some rails to run on and to <laughs> and to um. Make it familiar for the listeners who do listen to to the Promoter Mouse podcast, you see. But be- before we did that, I- I've got a couple of other questions for you. Yeah. Firstly, like, just to say, you were very influential in my involvement in comedy be- for two reasons. One is uh, you-, you were running open mic nights in Cambridge, and I think that must be where I met you at first. Definitely, be- yeah. Because I came along to that. I can't actually remember the first time. I don't know if you can. Probably not, because... I think um, I do remember really early one in um, an open mic in Bury St Edmunds, which wasn't mine, because I always remember you did that thing where you had like a uh, like a bandage on your finger. Do you oh, remember? Fucking hell. You had like a bandage on your finger, and it was some part of material. I can't remember what it was, and that always stuck with me because it was just it was, yeah. I hadn't seen anything like it at that point. But it's quite funny. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I remember you. Yeah, I remember obviously meeting you a long, long, long time ago. I assume it's around that time. You know, it's like it's a little de- bunch of desperados that all turn up at the same five gigs basically around the little sh- small area because you don't yeah, know anything else. Yeah, so, but yeah I, I remember that now. I, I do remember that gig, yeah. Yeah. I, I did that gig twice. So the first one I, I did really, really well and I went back second time with the same set and completely killed the room with a joke about a dog watching me whilst they had a wank. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get it back and I, and I didn't have the experience to... Uh, to, to sort of do it and also yeah, I think it went it was the, it was the live well. act out that killed it Paul yeah, yeah. You, shouldn't have, you shouldn't have put that dog through that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember that now so the, the, the other the other obvious it's, it's an age old question that you ask every comedian every comedian gets asked but it's a nice one for listeners to, to hear right is how did you get into comedy it was an accident just on how we met just before I go into this I will say that I lent you the PA kit for your that's first it. ever Weird Coastal Boys. That, yeah. that's, that, that was the other thing I was going to say as oh, well. So, the so, Alton. So, yeah, yeah, the Alton. Because it was the Carlton, but the sea fell off and the yeah, landlord yeah. didn't bother replacing it. But that's that's very true. Yeah, you did. because And that was very influential in me, actually. I mean, I was 
shortly after that, I was on the dole, and, and I paid for a PA, my own PA, for the credit card, and got it paid back in, in, in you know, in, in a lot of cash. But if it wasn't for you sort of weighing in saying, I'll lend you the PA, and I put the gig on at the Carlton in Lowestoft, I might never sort of, you know, carried on this comedy road and not all of these brilliant people and, uh, yeah, put, put on a lot of gigs. It's, it's a lot of that in the start. I think that's what ends up going missing a little bit later on. You've got a core bunch of people that you kind of, everyone looks after each other because we all go way back. And then everything else, I wouldn't say, yeah, it can be ruthless, it can be cutthroat, and it can be all this sort of stuff later on down the line. But at the beginning, you're just a bunch of people that can't believe you're doing this and people are looking at it, even if it's six people. Like, yeah. So I think there's a lot more um, yeah, support and help and you're just this little... Well, it's almost like we, we've referred to. I talked to you. Obviously, you had Panks on there before, and obviously, me and him go way back as well. And it's like we almost talk about that a bit, like you know, the class of '92. You kind of talk about the the different sort of um, you know the cohorts that came out of comedy at different times, and yeah. you're looking at sort of the people that are around then. You're like, it's four or five of us gone on to kind of make a living out of this in one way or another, mm. which is pretty good odds from yeah. you know what was about eight nine people. Stop, um, it's not lots bad, of is it? Fall by the wayside. Um, but yeah, it's quite interesting. But yeah, it's fun times. I, think I got it... started. Um, I just got started by accident, really. It was, was one of them things. I always thought I was like the funny guy in the pub and stuff. That was my thing. Like, I yeah. guess I was the one who's making jokes and stuff. And I used to work um, in a kitchen design place. And every now and then, we didn't have to open Sundays, but every now and then they would make you do it. And me and the guy I work with, like, just we got on and we connected over comedy and things like we love the office and different mm. same sort of stand-ups and things like that. And then uh, on the Sundays when they would make us go in, it was on this industrial estate. So nobody, like I say, you weren't always open on Sunday. So nobody expected you to be. So what we would do on these Sundays, just the two of us had to go in. We would park our cars right down the other end of the car park and we wouldn't put the light on in the front door, but it would be unlocked. And then we would sit right at the back in our, de- our desks and stuff and just hope nobody realized we were open. So that's basically what would happen on a Sunday. And very, you might see one person who's just walked up and actually tried the door. Everybody else would pull up and go, must be shut, turn up, turn around and go <laughs> away. It was fucking amazing. So after about an hour of like, you catch up with your admin and that, we just had the rest of the day to just sit and talk shit. I think we tried to write a sitcom together, which was fun. Um, obviously, it was terrible, but like we had a good laugh yeah. doing it. And then one day he just goes, have you ever thought about doing stand-up? And I was like, no. And I genuinely hadn't. I wouldn't have even known how you went about it. It wasn't like as accessible. Like I didn't, I don't think I'd been to a mixed bill comedy night. I'd been to like Lee Evans at Wembley arena and stuff like that, but I'd never been to a proper, you know, four or five acts on a, on a club night sort of thing. So I just didn't even know how you did it. It just seemed this like, we don't do that. We don't do that. We just have jobs and we, you know, we go and pay to see that. We don't do that. And he was like, yeah, you give it a go and I'll give it a go kind of thing. And then he was Googling it, found an open mic night in um, in London um, near King's Cross. And I think we were there like two days. We were there on the Tuesday. I think we watched one. And I think you'll attest to this as well. The first time you watch an open mic night, you're like, anybody can do comedy. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's it. a lot of absolute terrible, terrible acts on an open mic night. It, it feels very achievable at yeah. that point. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, my daughter wants to go into it. So, uh, I mean, she's seen a couple of my pro nights that I put on. Yeah. And, and I said, look, you've got to come to just an open mic night. And then you'll think, I can fucking do this. You know what I mean? It is. It, 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 yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people, it, it, it tracks all kinds, doesn't it? So that's the thing. So, 
Yeah, it's it, it is exactly that that you be in agreement in general with people, especially at that stage where there's just people you're like, you can't. The, the other thing as well, there are always a lot of people that you think, who has told you to do this? Mm. Like I was sort of pushed into it because I was the outwardly funny guy in the, in the office or whatever, or in the pub and all the rest, trying to always trying to make people laugh. Whereas there's some people you think you've either just got this really firm belief inside yourself that you can do this. Cause I can't imagine ever any, you, you must've had it as well. You've spoken to acts in the green room where you're like, there is nothing funny about you in person, but when you, they go on stage, they're incredible. Like it's, yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, and it's that weird thing. But yeah. um, so yeah, we went to this open mic night in London on the Tuesday very much decided that was very much achievable at that point. I think we went back maybe a couple of weeks later and um, and tried it then. And the thing was, like, <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous now. In my head, because like, in the pub, I was the guy doing the banter and, like, you said something, I would come back with something and all this kind of stuff. We're on the way there, and one of our other mates came with us, a guy called Dave, and he's like, tell us one of your jokes. And I was like, mate, you don't need jokes. He's like, what? He's like, I'm just going to go up there and just start riff like Johnny Vegas, just going to be like, they'll be having me on their shoulders, like a star is born. Like, honestly, (laughs) you're about to see something special, right? And I go up there, and it was like names out of a hat kind of thing. And I get called up, and I go up. This room was packed. I couldn't tell you what the capacity was, but for the first time you've done it, I reckon, you know, even 40 people probably were shitting yeah. myself. Like, um, I go up there and like the lights were in my eyes and you couldn't see anyone in the crowd. Like I now know I wouldn't have had the skill set to do that anyway. But in that moment, I'm like, I can't see anyone in the crowd. I can't, well, I can't do this. <laughs> so I bundled my way through, got a few sympathy laughs with some awful jokes. Um, for about two minutes, two, three minutes. And then I just excused myself and went. And then um, when I came off, I just got this pat on the shoulder from another act. And I remember wanting to throw myself off a bridge. Like I felt like <laughs> he was trying to be nice, but it was the most patronizing thing in the world. Like, yeah, that didn't go well. Uh... And then um, I genuinely think the only, and also you look across the thing and my mate Dave's filming it on his phone, his camera phone. And you're like, fuck, I'm going to have to hear about this at work tomorrow. That's awful. <laughs> like you just want to die. And then, um, we were outside having a cigarette and guy who'd been on before me was brilliant. Like he was great. Um, you know, as far as we knew at that point, like, and I was talking to him and, uh, he, do you know, um, I don't know how old your kids are. Do you ever, do your kids ever watch big cook, little cook? Uh, Yes, I remember watching that. Yeah, it'd be a vague yeah. memory. So the guy who was the little cook in there was this stand-up. He, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A guy called Dan Wright. He was a brilliant stand-up in the end. I think he ends up doing horrible histories and stuff like that. But um, anyway, so I was talking to him at the front. I was like, mate, that was that was incredible. And I was like, how long have you been going? And he was like, he'd only been going a few months because he lived in London and was just bouncing around. People vaguely recognized him from other things. So he'd done like 100 gigs in two months or something like that. So you're like, oh, of course you're going to be like quite good at this. And he asked me and he said, oh, how many gigs have you done? And I said, well, that, that was the first one. And he goes, look, I'm not going to patronize you and say I thought it's brilliant, but I would say you looked comfortable. I never would have guessed that was your first gig. And I was like, oh, right. If I can look like I'm supposed to be there, I can figure out how to write a joke. Yeah. And then like within that one conversation, I was like, oh, I want to go back on now. I mean, again, I had nothing else to offer and it still wouldn't have been funny, but like it yeah. gave me that kind of desire to go and give it a go and try and get good at it and also i think it was ego i think if i'd have gone on and smashed my first ever gig i'd have just been like done that bitches what's next yeah whereas because i've I was, seen that i've seen that happen a few times yeah i've seen it as well seen great acts that you never see again because they're like tick right now i'm going to do a skydive or whatever and it's exactly like, yeah 
Whereas with that, because I think because I just assumed I'd be good at it because people did find me funny in other settings, I think that drove me on to be like, oh, no, I have to be good at this. I have to try and get good at this because that's that's weird that I'm not. Like, yeah. And it was like, and it sort of bugged me. And then, then you realize it's such a, there's so much to it. Like it's a bit of a science. It's this, it's that, this body language, yeah, it's yeah. psychology. It's like there's so much involved and it just becomes addictive. Like I did a gig. Yeah, absolutely it is, yeah. The the biggest sign of that was I did a gig of um probably a good couple of years back now, like pre COVID. Um and on and again, I wasn't selected for this, so it's not name dropping for the sake of name dropping. I was just I was on the in fact I was on the way to this gig and I get a message going, Any chance you can do next week? And I was like, mate, I'm literally ten minutes away. And they were like, uh, fine, do you mind going on later? And I was like, Yeah, no worries bit annoyed like fuck's sake i could have got home because it's like in kingston like south london i'm like this is right. gonna be a pain in the ass to get home but whatever want to be seen i get there and i've been bumped because jack d's decided he's doing a set there right so you're like that's fair enough i'll let that i'll allow it like, <laughs> i just i wouldn't have even given me the option of going later i'd have just phone me and be like turn around bitch we don't need you anymore um well, that's, well heard, it's intoxicating, you know, isn't it? I mean, especially when you're new and you end up sort of rubbing shoulders with somebody you've only ever seen on the telly. Well, the thing uh, about that was was reassuring was that like, I didn't speak to him. He was stood chatting. But I mean, I can confirm for anyone wondering, it's not a character act. He just did seem very miserable on that particular occasion. <laughs> um, and the promoter was talking to him. They were obviously mates. Um, and the promoter was like, oh, you are you uh, doing a tour or something? You're trying to put new stuff together. And he just goes, no, nah, I just had to do one. And I was like, after all his success, all yeah. that he can do, anyway, and and just to still have that desire after what thirty years to go, I just need to do a gig, like, and I and I kind of relate to that so much. Like, it's just you yeah. can be done with it, be sick of it. You'll think of one half baked idea, and you'll be like, right, I need a gig, and it's <laughs> and then you're back in. Jack, Jack D. Funnily enough, right, <laughs> about about eleven years ago, uh, when I I was actually still doing stand up, and I haven't done it in ages. Um, I was I was renting a, a house out, and the the the, the lady on the t- telephone who used to speak to about me renting that uh, at the uh, letting uh, letting agency, she she just changed the subject all of a sudden and she goes, Paul, I said yeah, are you a comedian? And it really sort of threw me. I thought, fuck, you know. I thought, oh, she's seen me. His word got around. <laughs> you know, like, and, <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, well, as it happens, yeah, I am. What, what made you ask? Oh, we've been talking. We thought you might be because you're miserable, like Jack D. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's all she had to go on. Yeah. <laughs> I always remember being out like years and years ago. Um, I was out with some mates in town, and um, I had someone. This guy came st- and again. This is back when I smoked. So we were outside having a cigarette, me and a couple of mates. And this guy comes staggering along, absolutely smashed out of his tree. And I uh, barely stand up. And then he just, all of a sudden, he froze. And he went, you're Jason Stamp. And I went, yeah. And he went, you're a comedian, aren't you? I went, yeah. He went, fucking funny. And then just staggered off up the road. And I was well. like, my mates were like, that was funny, right? Um, and I was like, and I still find it a bit weird. Like, I do a lot in Cambridge. And yeah. like, I'm quite heavily on the promotional materials of Town & Gown, which is a big venue in Cambridge. So yeah. and it's there all the time. So every now and then in Cambridge, I'll get recognized. Like, never happened anywhere else. Occasionally, it happened in Cambridge, right? Um, and this was way before then, so it was even more weird. And um, we then go into this bar, and uh, we're in there 30 seconds. Someone walks, this bloke walks over to me, he's like, you Jason Stamp, comedian. And then my mate's looking at me like, you've fucking paid people to do this. This is weird, right? <laughs> and I was like, so by this point, I'm a bit like, yeah, my God, I just want a normal life. Kind of like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I am Jason Stamp, comedian. And he just goes, <laughs> goes, yeah, I thought so. That girl over there, she said you mugged her off on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> 
was like, all right, yeah, cool, yeah. Wait, come back down to earth. We're leaving. Brilliant, Um, brilliant. Yeah, I always find it weird because obviously I'm at no status in fame or anything. So every now and then when someone like recognises me around Cambridge or sort of does the double take, it's quite funny. And then they were like, are you a comedian? Yeah. And then it's the end of it because you're like, what do you now do with that information? Go, yeah, I thought so. And then that's the end of that interaction. It's just... It's nice, but it's a weird thing. I get a little bit of that now from the podcast, weirdly, because it's uh, a lot of people near where where I'm in Loughton listen to it because we do like yeah. a local bit and it gets around. And it, it it weirds me the fuck out. If somebody comes along and says, oh, are you Pablo? Because I'm called Pablo on the podcast because yeah, I, yeah. I, it's a little bit of a firewall. So like, I don't want to get sacked from my day job. Which yeah, I still got course, yeah. quite like it, you know what I mean? Age, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, people say hey, you, Pablo, and I, I just don't know how to react. I, just, I, I, you know, it's hard. You know what I mean? It's a, uh, the weirdest one I had. Right, was um, I've got this bit of material that I think I might have put it out on a reel or something at one point, but it's just about uh, an experience shopping an Audi, right? Um, and you know, predominantly about the bit on the you know the convert the checkout at the end. Anyway, I was in Audi. It's a few months back now. And with my daughter, right, who's just obviously got a phone in her hand or whatever, has got no interest in it at all. But I didn't click. So the guy in front of me who was just finishing his bagging up and I go to walk through to wait to put my trolley there, the guy goes, he's sort of giving me that nod. And I was like, all right. And he went, been doing your stretches out front. And I went, sure. Like not clicking <laughs> at all. And then he's like, yeah, be as quick as you can kind of thing. Like don't try and piss anybody off kind of that, all that sort. And I'm like, Yep, no worries, mate. Like that, and then he walked, and then he sort of walked off, and I was like, what? took me a good ten seconds. I was like, oh shit, that dude's seen me do the Audi material, and he's quoting it back to me in Audi. This is like Inception for him. This wow. must be crazy. But I mugged him off completely because I was like, that oh, right, okay, mate. I've yeah. not had that. And then I'm like nudging my daughter, like, did you see that? Did you see that? I'm basically yeah. famous to that guy who shops in Audi, and she's yeah, like, what, yeah. what, what? Like, got no it, idea what's happening. It is weird. And then doing the pod as well, somebody will uh, reference something out of the sixty hours of material that's out there, and, and like <laughs> yeah. a minute of it, I, I, I can't fucking remember what I said yesterday, let alone fucking thirty episodes ago. You know what I mean? So it's it's yeah, it's funny. Like it's nice. Like we're. We did our town and gown gig last night. Um, it look, looks amazing. I've seen the pictures of that. It looks amazing, by the way. It's beautiful. Yeah, we've just gone fortnightly, and first two of the year are both sold out. And like even the oh, one, in, in, well, the next one coming up is at forty percent sold already. So like it's just it's become this beautiful thing over like we we picked that up like through the you know the the molten lava of COVID. So the first gigs we did there were, I think it was 42 people with everybody in masks, like it was yeah. socially distant stuff and that. So to, to see it, what it is now, it's just beautiful. We get really nice feedback from acts that do it and stuff. But that was one last night where someone, <laughs> there's a comedy came over and we're like, Oh, we feel like we're groupies. We kind of come and see like, cause we've got obviously a few venues. They're like, we come and see you everywhere. And I'm like, oh, that's a really nice compliment. Thank you very much. <laughs> and then the guy is like, this absolute hunk of a man. He was like such a beautiful man. He's like, can we get a picture with you? And I was like, that's what are you going to do with that picture? All it does <laughs> is make me look even uglier. Like I'm a six and you've halved that just by being near me. <laughs> like, it's like, so we had the picture and I was like, cool. And I was like, what the fuck? So like, I don't know. If I'll just take it. it, mate. Honestly, you know what I mean? Again, yeah. It's such a nice thing to it, ask. And it's so, you're so, but it does catch you out because obviously I'm not famous or anywhere near it. So it's, so, it's really because to but you, you're just a, your normal bloke, aren't you? So yeah. it's like, can you do something you normally associate with someone famous? You're just a bit like, cool, but I don't get it. But why? Doug, Doug Stanhope says he's not famous unless he's within 100 metres of the venue he's playing. 
That's probably, mate. Yeah, that's yeah. probably right, to be fair. Yeah, yeah so, so there's a lot, lot to be said for that. And if you st- stood there on stage, being the alpha in the room, making everyone laugh, people people love that. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you, you know what I mean? And, and, and uh, you give them a good night out. So it means a lot to people. So, you know. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw you back onto the format of the pod. Yeah, sorry, mate. I've derailed. You were worried don't, about don't, you. Don't worry, I've, I've, don't worry I'm, mate. I've uh, been a loose cannon on this, mate. You do what you got to do. No, I, absolutely. I mean, I could have held you in earlier, but I thought, nah, let's, let's just let it go. See, that shows you're in go. control at all times, Paul. This is that only <laughs> happens by your will and your will alone. <laughs> you know, when you said I, I was in control at all times, I genuinely got a bit of a tingle. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like me, you're a middle-aged man. It very rarely happens. <laughs> we don't have. Control. Control. We have the illusion of free will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've got a li- missus went to work this morning. She's left me a list of stuff to do. <laughs> and yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, make sure you. And then uh, it'll be. Look, it'll look like one of them time lapse videos. Twenty minutes before she gets home, when you're <laughs> running around doing it all. <laughs> no, I've got. I've got to take a table to the charity shop before three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird. Dead, Living the dream. Uh, yeah, speed three. <laughs> <laughs> So let, I'm going to bring you back onto the uh, onto the podcast rails, bring mate. So we've got a section called Hellfire and Damnation. Yeah. On this bit, we encourage each other to talk about something that's probably fucked us off. Um, yeah. Can be absolutely anything. So it's a bit bit open ended, mate. But uh, well, I thought about this. I had something that really pissed me off the other week, and it is perfectly in tune with comedy. Like, I'm pretty chill about comedy in general. In that, like, you go do your job and hope everything else falls into place. But uh, Leanne, again, my sister, run big deal. I was just trying to generate some stuff on TikTok, this, that, the other, try and get some numbers up and all that. And I don't understand it. I put stuff out. It gets likes, but I don't know how that translates to anything. <laughs> so no, it's like, I don't think it's for me. I feel like unless I'm a stripper or whatever on TikTok, I don't think I'm going to get a following on there, right? So, like, but it is what it is. It's part of the business that you've got to try and put yourself out there. So we put this crowd work clip out there. And you know crowd work. In that moment, on that night, there's 100 people in on that joke, and it's funny, right? It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It can't become material. It can't become a thing. But in that moment, it's that sort of lightning in a bottle moment where everybody finds it funny, right? So we put that out. It's funny enough as a clip. Obviously, it's never going to be as funny as if you're in the room, right? And it gets, you know, some likes or whatever. And one guy just put a comment on there going, if this is comedy, then God help us all. And I was just <laughs> like, and I, and I was, at that point, I realized I could never be famous because I wanted to fucking cut this guy, right? I was so angry because I, A, his name was Malcolm. So I was like, immediately, you don't get to fucking talk about anything that's funny or not. And then I was like, Fuck I, you, I, Malcolm. And I just, yeah, basically, and I just got drawn into it. So I was like, you seem like a fun guy. You should come to a gig. And he was like, no, thank you. Not, not for me. And I was like, but you've still found a time. And it became this back and forth thing. And then uh-huh. he said, you, you should, weird, "Go on, go on." The go weirdest on. thing is, he goes, "Oh, did I get to you? Did I?" Or something like that. And <sighs> I'm like, "Yeah, mate." I'm obviously I'm devastated. Your words really cut. And he said, "Well, why don't you go running back to your woke friends that will just laugh at everything you say and validate you?" And I'm like, "I have never been referred to as woke or even knowing woke people like this." I was like, "Where the fuck has that come from?" And you just realise. If you were famous, you've got thousands of yeah. these dickheads coming yeah, out yeah. of woodwork every yeah, day. Yeah. Whereas actually, there was another clip months ago where it was like, there was a really young guy in the audience and I started messing around with him and he was loving it, right? He's laughing, like he looks about 12, he, you know, assuming he was old enough because of the ID and getting the venue and all the rest of it. 
but he he was loving it and he had a really squeaky voice and I'm hammering him like and he was absolutely loving it like put that clip out and then someone straight away was like why are you hating on the young bro uh, <laughs> and I'm like well because of this yeah. actually now it's because of this <laughs> because of well, you that woke thing I've had this a few times now you you put an advert out and often it's a sponsored ad so you're paying money to to promote a night right yeah and, you, yeah. and I've had this same comment now about four or five times and it's weird I'm paraphrasing, and it's you know, it's 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 normally something like, "Is this woke comedy or is it good?" <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> is this going to be woke shit? I mean, you know, for a fact they ain't going to buy a ticket anyway. They're just yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. got to be in the bonnet about woke stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's I mean, it's all out there. It's, it's weird. so weird what people are interact with on a on a gig. We've had it before where it was like I don't know, I can't remember. It was a good lineup. It was I don't know. 12 quid maybe a ticket whatever with a booking fee it was like 14 15 quid and um sky went uh, was it like 15 quid for a ticket to a comedy night taking a piss and it's like (laughs) don't just don't buy a ticket mate like that's the way to protest not don't go like so but that's what it costs to get a good lineup and to do this and the venue costs and blah 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 and all the rest of it so Everyone thinks you're making out like an absolute fucking bandit when you're a, or a promoter, but they don't see the risk on it. You might have good nights, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if half the people turn up, you're probably still going to go ahead, or you're going to lose money, or you're going to break even, or you're going to, and you still have the same stress. If anything, you have more stress when it doesn't sell <laughs> than when it does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I was listening to a podcast where they, uh, two comedians who, who talked to promoters, and they were talking about doing the. The gig maths, have you come across this? It's where no. comedians walk into a room that they they count 100 people oh, yeah. to 20, 20, 20 quid a piece and they gig the maths and they work that they're only getting paid a one or 200 or whatever and they get the arsehole and, and, and think, well, where's my fair share? Well, yeah. like, <laughs> that really riled me. It's like, you're getting paid no matter what and, and you don't know how much I'm paying out for all of it. And how, and how much gigs I've lost money and in the past to get to this 100%, stage. Mate. We you know had, what I mean? um, We had all these gigs in the summer where we... T- Do you know what? It was one of the things we tried to push out to a load of new venues, totally the wrong time, um, and, and it didn't really work with some of them. Or, But it got to a point where I was just working for free, right? So Because obviously I'm an act, so... But I was... It, what I'd been doing was I've been gigging. If I'm already gigging for someone else and we've got a gig, I'll just book an MC to run our gig. So I'm not doing every single one. It was to the point where I was canceling work elsewhere to go and work for free for myself. So I could keep the night on and not take work off acts. But you're right. Then someone will walk into another venue and go, hang on hundred people, 15 quid a pop. Why am I on 200 quid? You're like, because that's not how that fucking works, dickhead. Like, yeah. There are overheads. Yeah, like, you know yeah, this yeah. building and all the staff you walk past and the lights and the running water and all that stuff, much like your house. Yeah. Like this shit costs money. Like it doesn't work that way. Like I think oh, I I've always it. been pretty fair with fees. It's always trying to do. And actually the more pressure you put yourself, which obviously we're in very different tiers. I've dipped my toe in and that, but you go big hitters, like big money, big hitter headliners that everybody recognizes and all that kind of stuff. And the risks involved in that are so big. Like, and obviously it's a calculated risk in that you think, well, people will want to see this person. They'll buy tickets for that, but anything can happen. And you're up against that the whole time. But like, it really pisses me off when people are thinking, well, I'm due this. It's like, mate, don't apply for the gig. I completely respect your right to say that's not enough money for me. Yeah. Like, don't take the gig. I got offered one last minute the other day, which was in like Cardigan, West Wales. 
Um, and it was decent money on paper, but when you started breaking down, getting there in a 12 hour round trip and blah, blah, blah so it's just not worth it. Like, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's not be, be, I'm always grateful of the work. It's not about that. But it's like, would I leave the house and do 12 hours for a day job for that money? What I'll see at the end of it. No, I wouldn't. So I'm not going to go do it. Whereas I'm not, you know, if it had been down the road and half the money, I probably would have done it. Like it's, so it's just, it's just that thing of, I can't give up 12 hours plus the gig, Yeah, you know, to, to go and do it for that. But you got so you got to put a value on it. But I wouldn't apply for something or take something if I was on if I didn't think it was right. And if I, the minute I've taken a gig as a promoter, I know how it works. So the minute I've taken a gig from someone else, I'm I'm the most professional person I can be. I'll do anything they need to do. I'll be I'll be on time. I'll do what I've got to do, and you've got nothing to worry about with me on the lineup because I know how fucking stressful it is. So, but I'll never act like I've done you a favor if I've said yes to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. I think, but the amount of them that do, it's yeah. fucking staggering. You do, you do get a few, don't you? Yeah. And, yeah. I understand that like, we have. I've, there's a massive thing um, with there's a lot of acts that think time served is enough to warrant being on a particular lineup. Like, well, yeah. I've done a hundred gigs. Yeah. Yeah. But if 99 was shit, like you're not going to come do a pro night here or there, or you might be able to handle this venue, but not that venue. Like you look at your gigs like that, um, you know, Southwold, um, beautiful venue, beautiful venue. I think, you know, full well, certain acts are going to go, whether they'd be good in a small environment or not, they're going to go and shit the bed when they go and see a room like that. Yeah. Cause it can, and actually it's a beautiful gig. It's a lovely gig. Yeah. And then, like you know, the Goulston one you did—that could be like not rowdy, but it could be you have to you have to be in control of yeah. what you're doing to keep everyone's attention because it's a big, big room. So like these, it is rowdy, they, Jason. Thought, huh? <laughs> it is rowdy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No, it's rowdy. <laughs> but I, I, as the MC of that night, I liked it rowdy because that works for me. And yeah, then they yeah. They'd settle down enough for the act. So that to me, that's a perfect level of rowdy. To be honest, it's not like out of control. Yeah. It's just they're interacting because they're up for it, which is a good thing if you can kind of control that. But I think uh, there's definitely acts out there that don't appreciate that there's thought going into it and it's not like I'm snubbing you. It's because I'm trying to make people come back next time because that's my job. Like, yeah, exactly. And you try to learn the audience in the room and what they're like and what it actually takes to have less risk of being derailed when yeah, you're in front but, of that audience. You know, it's... Uh, it's, it's never anything personal. I mean, there's some acts I really love that I wouldn't put on in particular venues because same, I think, it, yeah, you know what I mean, it's just too much of a risk. Unless, you, unless you're unless st- you stuck into a corner and then you think, well, you know, I, 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 I need somebody short notice. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, you know, I've gambled on those things before. I've act, acts that I personally like, but I worry about how they'll go down with that particular audience. And I mm. think I've got the right to be like that because I've run that gig for four years or whatever. So I know what they go with and what they probably wouldn't. So well, you, 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 got, you could got... be wrong. You might be wrong, but you have yeah, to yeah. play the odds. Like Leanne always says, it's her job to get them in the room and it's my job to get them back like as the, as the MC yeah. and the act and the guy who books the lineups, right? So... And those two things need to go hand in hand. And I think once you get the first, the first gig at any venue is always a bit of a hail mary, and everyone will play it safe. Yeah. Um. You know, like Panks is is ninety nine percent of the time is on a first night for me. I'll always MC the first night for me. Like, and then it's like I'll go with people. I know what they do. Yeah. I know they've got enough appeal to cover most gigs. And then afterwards, you go, oh, I reckon they'll go with this, and they like that. They really went with that kind of topic, blah blah blah. And then you can kind of tailor it a bit more, can't you? But that first one is just a free swing where you're like, yeah, just exactly. go out there and make them laugh, and we'll try and come back next time. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, weirdly, I found that older audiences are actually more receptive. 
brilliant. You, you know what I mean? I, 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 that was a weird one. I mean, that was straight off at um, St. George's in Great Yarmouth. A lot of yeah. grey hair turned up. I was really worried because one of the acts who first went on, I can't remember who it was, I knew there was a lot of our sex in their sets. <laughs> 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 and, then they, and they came on and I thought, oh no, what's going to go on here? And I, uh, anyway, I didn't say anything and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. And I think somebody said, you might have even been there, it was at Southwold, because uh, there was a lot of grey hair there, a lot of the locals yeah. when they turn up. And somebody said, these people, they're pre-culture war, you know what I mean? They used to laugh at Jim Davison, you know what so- that's I had that same thing said to me at a gig, um, again, a few years ago now, where it was one of those, uh, I was uh, still early days, Russell, I'm on the door doing the tickets before I go and see the gig, like, there's only two of us working it, like... And they're coming in, and I, I also realised at that point when you see people coming into a comedy night individually, you're going, "Nope, you're not going to like this. This isn't for you. This isn't for you." Because when you turn up and there's just a collective audience, you don't give it any thought. Like it's weird. Yeah. So they're coming in, and I'm thinking, "God," and and again, like my, like I say a lot older. I'm 42 now, but obviously maybe like late 50s, 60s, a lot of the people were high average age, and you think, "God," and it did the same thing. See, same preconception where it's like, "I'm not sure what they're going to go with here." Mm absolute storming night went with everything and i was talking to one of these old guys out the front afterwards and he was and he said exactly the same as your guys like you've got it all wrong he was like we used to laugh at everything like it's the younger ones that don't know what they're allowed to laugh yeah. at so we just go we don't care we just go with it, and it yeah was like, and it's, it's so, so true. true yeah 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 exactly because um, they they were never told you can't laugh at that so yeah. and actually we're not the other thing is the misconception that anybody's booking acts knowingly thinking they're going to come and do anything racial or hate filled or anything like that. None of us are booking acts thinking they're going to do this. It's got nothing to do with woke. It's just, you're not, no one's actively booking anyone who's going to come and talk about something they shouldn't talk about in yeah. the, the big hitters. Like you can talk about anything within reason. Obviously there's no um, censorship with it or anything, but when people say woke, it's like, what do you think we're going to get a Roy Chubby Brown tribute act down here or something like that's not going to happen these days. But at the same time, it's like, um, yeah, just just need people in the room, don't you? Just come see. Yeah, this, this this is true. There, there was, um, I mean, I, I did step on a particular landmine uh, recently, uh, recently-ish. Um, I, I had a sort of big TV name uh, headline and at Southwold actually, and um, was you MC? And I'm not sure if you were. Um, and and an act, I, I booked an act who I really like, um, and is 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 solid nine times out of ten, um, but goes a bit dark in one or two places. I didn't give it any second thoughts, but because most of the people in the well, let's say a larger percentage of people in the room turned up to see uh, said face that they've seen before on telly, rather than them being sort of comedy fans and being more open-minded and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. This little bit about Auschwitz that he had uh, <laughs> went down like a sack of shit to one of the people who happened to be on the committee and only ever turned up to this comedy gig because he wanted to because he's because his wife liked the uh, the fellow who right. was headlining you know so so that that i'm very mindful of that so if you're putting somebody on who, who people are just going to turn up to have a go up at watch out because that's where you get the people that aren't definitely yeah it's well i had exactly the same thing happen to me in december at one of ours give, give, give us your opinion on this uh please jason it's an idea that i had i'll put this into the loosely we've got a section called opinion holes and i haven't put anything down but i have thought of something and i'd like your opinion on it i thought about a concept for a podcast where i interview people in the comedy industry who have for whatever reason been uh maligned 
I don't want to say blacklisted, but we're sort of heading that way. You know what I mean? So, so, so people who uh, maybe aren't seen as favourably as they used to be seen, and 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 give give them a chance to give their side of the story. I think it would be interesting to find out why, because I think there's acts that have been out there that have very much beaten the drum of I'm blacklisted or I'm not allowed here, I'm not allowed. But then nobody seems to come forward and agree with that. Like, no. so I would love to find out. That would that sounds like a good concept to me because I I feel like there are certain acts out there that feel like they're being sidelined, blackballed, whatever, but actually they're just not as good as they were, or it's you know what I mean they're a bit of a fading force. Like, there's a bit of that, but I think there's a few. I mean, there's, I, def- there's definitely some that have been pushed to one side, and it would be good to see their point of view on it. But the, I think the only problem with that podcast is you're never going to get anybody to come out and go, yeah, no, I'm not booking you because you did this. <laughs> Because you have you must have seen it on social media lately with all the stuff where it's like comedians go, oh, I've heard about this promoter or comedian are completely inappropriate. But, you know, if anyone wants to DM me, I'll let you know. And you're like, oh, we talked about it in the secret promoter group. So everybody, I'm like, I run gigs. So I don't know how far this dude is away from here or same with you. Like, yeah. surely if there is solid evidence that someone's done something wrong, it should just be common knowledge at that point. Like yeah, rather yeah. than I'm just going to let you know how amazing I am that I'm not putting anyone at risk, but I'm okay with everybody else being at risk. Cause I haven't told you who this person is. And it's like, and you yeah, can yeah, like, yeah. the next, the next day you could bang a poster out with this person on it going, wait, come see this. <laughs> and everyone's like, is this dude fucking for real? But nobody's told you. So, yeah. I feel like there's too many pussies in comedy that won't just come out and say a name if they're getting it as a problem. Or, or um, I mean, I've seen people put names out there, and then you've had a dig, and you've why you had a little bit of a uh, a look around. I mean, why have you put this name out? And yeah. it's, it's happened with an act that I know um, always got on with. I won't say like close friends with, but I, thought, I always thought it was a really, really excellent act. Put them a few times and seen them a few different places. And um, somebody's saying, well, don't book this guy, really dodgy. And then you read down in the thread, um, apparently he didn't lock the toilet door when he was in a in, in, in a, in a flat share somewhere. And I'm thinking, that's a bit, you know what I mean? I heard about that, yeah. There's, but there's loads of stuff like that where it's like... But but the, but, but the, 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 same, the same guy's not been booked for anything since, you know what I mean? So I don't know, you, so on the one hand you're thinking, is, is he a proper dodge put? Or you know, and you, yeah, 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 and that's that thing you kind of can't. But then you, we all end up in that same bit. We're like, what? You, you can't go. Well, it doesn't sound that bad. Everyone's like, because it didn't happen to you. Why are you? And then all of a sudden, it's this whole fucking thing. So the only people that know what's going on is the person who was in who that that person who's being accused and the yeah. person who was involved. They're the only people that know what actually happened. Yeah. And then everybody else has got to make a decision about whether this guy works or eats again based on no <laughs> information. And then yeah. So you're either the arsehole that backs the guy and then it all comes out that he was this awful person or she was this awful person. And then you, but you've got, so everyone just backs away. Everyone goes, cool. No, I'm not touching it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it. There's, there's, there's thousands of other acts out there and I feel bad for you, but I'm just, I'm going to protect my own thing. Yeah. And then, but, and that's all it takes. We all all need to eat, don't we? But you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought about. I mean, I know Graham Linehan is doing. Uh, um, he's, he's looking for spots, right? But <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> he genuinely is. Yeah, yeah. no one fucking listened to. Him. I know, I know. <laughs> he's I know. a captive audience. Yeah, exactly. What happened? What will happen if I stick Graham Linehan on? Will I be blackballed? Will people suddenly be um, like not want to gig for us because I've, I've decided to put somebody on because they've had an opinion that other people don't like? You know what I mean? 
but yeah, no, I think I think yeah, you'd have some interesting characters on who would double down on it. I just think there's a lot of people that are doubling down on stuff because they've now lost everything and it's too. You, I don't know about <laughs> I, you, but I you, think there's some you know, some truth in that. Yeah, when you're in a terrible relationship that you know you should have ended a year ago, but you're like, nope, fucking seeing it like. <laughs> I like that. I like the coffee table. <laughs> like, you, know, you cling on for way longer than you should because you're like, no, I'm not losing. Whereas actually, yeah. you're just losing time. And I think it's the same yeah. thing with like, a lot of these people. It's just like, just keep your mouth shut. Get your head. Can't get your head around it. It's fine. But other people can, so, and they want to live their lives. So just shut the fuck up. Let them get on with it. I've seen so many acts um, who were brilliant and then completely destroyed themselves on social media. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah, you're looking at you're thinking, oh well, you know, you, you're almost unbookable with some of the shit that you're saying. You know, you know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. I mean, not just the audience, have, but the other people sympathy, in the industry. I have sympathy for someone when it's, um, you know, badly worded or misunderstood, and I have sympathy for those people when something goes when there's a big pile on over something like that. But when you're just outwardly spouting shit that you've got no, you know, you're allowed an opinion, of course you are, but you've got no educational knowledge of it in any depth so why the fuck do you think we care what you've got to say about it like it's yeah. just like basically excuse me i don't know if anyone's noticed but i'm ignorant like cool yeah. are you okay don't go on with your day i need you to keep acknowledging that i'm ignorant for the foreseeable just until it like i can then come out and play the victim myself for <laughs> so it's like, i don't understand the logic behind any of it i think he i think what it is it used to be safe to have an opinion right yeah it, it was it was absolutely fine to sit there and look at somebody on the telly and say, I don't like him because of some arbitrary reason. I've just pulled out me arsehole. Uh, and, and I just wanted to say it out loud because it made me feel a bit better. But if you then go online and do that with something that you haven't thought through. Well, that's the thing, right? So I remember, again, when I was at, um, I was at Screwfix as a manager, like every year you'd have this manager's conference and they would always get like a big TV name <laughs> comedian all right, to go and do this thing. So what would happen was this TV name would come out and everybody on my table would look at me like I'm the one who has to, like the man from Del Monte, I have to give it a nod, right? And it was like, and they had Jason Manford one year, Kevin Bridges, Jack Whitehall, um, and John Bishop was the one, right? So everyone's going to me, John Bishop, what do you think? I said, ah, oh, he's not for me. I, I don't really like him. And then everyone's like, oh, it's because he's successful and you're not, and he's fat. And I was like, no, I just, I never got it. I just don't find him funny. Like I said, he's obviously very good, but it's not my cup of tea. I'm not going to, I don't think anyone's stupid for liking it. I just, I, it's never really like connected with me. And this whole thing was going on for ages. And it's just like, because you had a slightly different opinion. And again, because I did comedy, they're all like, you think you know everything? No, it's no different if I do comedy or don't do comedy. I like what I like, and I don't mm. like what I don't. It just doesn't, and it doesn't mean anything about it. But people just pile on because it's like, oh, you fucking. I was like, if I think someone's shit, I'll just tell them they're shit. I couldn't give. A, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not. I don't like pandering to people. Obviously, you're nice to people when they're trying their best. But if someone's a bell end and I don't think they're funny and they want to have a conversation about, it, I'll tell them. Like I've had people quite aggressively email me going you've clearly got a problem with me because you haven't booked me. And I'm like, mate, do you know how many emails I get? And also more to the point, how many of those emails are from comedians that are much better than you? Like this has got nothing to do with your personality, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. I'm now finding questionable because this email, but because yep. I'm trying to put the best possible night on for the budget I have. And if better acts 
apply for it, I'm not going to get it. Like, you're not going to get it. And it's the same with me. I apply for stuff. Like, yeah. uh, you know, if I get it, I, I like to think I was the best act that applied. If I don't, I like to think they've done better. Like, that's all it is. You want this stuff to work for everybody. Switching that around a little bit now and loosely tying it back to the format, there's a section called Praise B, right? Is is there any anything or anyone you, you, you want to sort of big up? Uh, just anybody who's out there just trying to get better, really. Like, I think that thing is, you know, we'd, I was talking about it earlier, and it's a real fucking bugbear of mine. You've got this little cluster um, of open mic nights in in uh, Norfolk. There's a lot of acts. At one point, we're just going around doing the same five gigs, doing the same 10 minutes, just a different venue every night around the same city. And then there was a big, there was a bit of entitlement with, well, like I was saying earlier, those kind of acts that, well, I've done this many gigs, I should be doing that. Like, and because yeah. it's all your mates. So, you know, like when you start and there's five or six of you to keep turning up at the same gigs, you come off and it's like, mate, you roofed it, you murdered it. But, and you need that encouragement. Yeah. But you, have, you have to take it with a pinch of salt that it's encouragement rather than, oh, yeah, no, I've, I've cracked comedy three months in mm. because I've, I've done well in this room twice. Like, it's not the thing. Like, and I would say to newer acts, like, I remember an act when I started doing um, MCing the old Covent Garden, which was in the Arches. It was like, I don't know, two, two, three hundred seater. I was like the first big one I was MCing. That's the old Rock Garden, ago. is it? Um, it was uh, Heaven. The, the, oh, the yeah, I know the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it was fucking great. And it was, but it was the level of acts there were crazy. And I'd have, um, and again, I was nobody. I just, like, it was the first time that somebody had sort of given me a punt on that size of venue. And I can't remember how it came around, but I'll be forever grateful. Like you really learn a lot in those gigs, but like the, I'd had local acts saying to me, like, I'll put a word in, see if you can get me a middle spot. And I go and do these gigs and the middle spots were insane. Like, to the point where I would be like, how the fuck am I getting paid? And these dudes are here for nothing. Then you realize it's because it's London. They can do a gig either side of it. Yeah. Um, they just want to be seen, blah, blah, blah. And it was at, at that point, you're just like, go and see other stuff. Go over, go to other gigs. Go to other, like, learn about it. Like, yeah. I don't think I did that enough when I started. Um, you just turn up and think you're the shit because four people laughed at one of your jokes in yeah, a yeah. five-minute set. And I think you need to actually have a bit of honesty with yourself and go, right, I need to, I need to get better at this. I have... No, I enjoy nothing more than coming out of a gig after working with someone and just seeing that reaction and going, fuck, I need to work harder. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. not even you've had a bad gig. Like, um, doing your one, that the one with Troy Hawk, right? So not only was he a lovely bloke backstage and all the rest of it, right? Um, I felt I had a blinder that night. And then you see him and it's just levels. Like, it just yeah. took that roof off. And... I, so it's not like I come home going, oh, I didn't have a great, great night. I felt like I had a great night that night and really enjoyed myself. It's a lovely venue. They're a great crowd. They went with every, They seemed to like me the few times I've done it. Like it, it was great fun, right? And then you watch someone do what he did and you're like, shit, there's levels to this and you've got to kind yeah. of always be striving to get to the next one, whatever that is. And, yeah, absolutely. You, know, you might hit your ceiling. It doesn't mean... You know, I don't think I'm ever going to be the greatest comedian in the world, but I think I enjoy it and try and make people's night fun. <laughs> and yeah. that's it. I mean, you always want to try and get better. Right? The, the, there'll, there'll be open spots listening to this, looking to sort of develop. And I think you've touched on something really important for them, which is if you're only ever watching over open spots at over open mic nights, you know, you're going to be in a groove that you can't get out of. You've got to get out and just watch. Even if you have, even if you have to pay to watch it, if you're not getting a spot on the lineups, just go out and watch club nights with absolute pros tackling whatever's thrown at them. Honestly, I had um, there was a gig 
not not that long ago really in the grand scheme two three years ago right we had uh scott bennett right so yeah. he's come to close this gig in cambridge um obviously he's blowing up now, but he was in that bit already where he was just murdering rooms so yeah, absolutely yeah. murdering right he we had two we had two open spots in the middle uh scott bennett's about to go on i'm saying to them scott bennett is on fire at the moment you got to see this guy they're like yeah yeah, yeah. Um, they sat on the terrace outside having a conversation while he did 40 minutes absolutely murder in this room to a level I, I hadn't seen up till that point, I don't think. Like, he, he was supposed to do 20, 40 minutes in, as people doubled up in pain laughing. He's murdered it. There's not been a second where he hasn't been in total control of that. And it felt like he was clearing his throat. He could have gone on all night. He's like 40 minutes. Just, <laughs> just, just, just like, like he's yeah. just opening the fucking room. And they sat on a balcony and just chatted to each other all night and didn't watch it. And you think, how the fuck are you going to get better if you're not seeing what other people are doing? Yeah, and that, like the point you just said, but you see it all the time. Like, don't get me wrong, if I'm opening a gig now and I've worked with the closer before, I'll probably shoot off, right? But if there's a middle I've not worked with, who's like, I'll hang around and try and watch that. Because, um, you know, it's just, I'm just getting older. It's nice to get home before a certain time, like yeah, and all yeah. the rest of it, with whatever you got going. But you do have to, like, I had a couple over the last few, uh, few months where I hadn't seen the middle before and it's like, well, I'll, I'll just hang around and watch them and see how they get on. Like, cause you can't really tell off a video half the time. It's easy to see it live. And same with the clothes. If I've not worked with the clothes before, I'll stay around and watch that as well. And it's like, and again, part of that is, oh, they might be good for my gigs. And the other part is like, I need to fucking keep working. Like I can't keep, I can't just go, right, that's my 20. I'm done now. You need to keep getting better. Right. But open that's And the other thing is like, open, open mic is like, it's, it almost uses derogatory term. It's not just do what you're doing. Everybody starts that way, but yeah. just put yourself out there. Get in, go to the gig with four people in the audience and do it. Like go to the, go and watch the gig with 200 people in it. Like you'll learn from all of them. With the exception of Ricky Gervais, which is the one exception, every other comedian you've ever seen has started as an open micer. Ricky Gervais went straight to like, <laughs> I'm famous now. Now I'm going to do comedy. So know, like, he's a one off. Um, but yeah, no, I think you just got to be doing. I did an open. You always sound like a bit of an arsehole because I I do a lot of gigs, so newer stuff. I tend to work out while I'm emceeing. I might drop it in and make it seem it's like an ad lib when I'm doing a bit of crowd work or whatever, just to kind of get an idea if a new bit might work or there's something there. Yeah. And I did an open mic night, um, start of the month, and um, watching the people that have done six gigs 12 gigs or whatever like it was fucking it was great it was nice because you always i had to say to a mate at the back i was like almost seemed like i'm being a div but you're almost playing um open mic bingo because of all the things you used to do when you started so yeah. it's like i've been nudging my mate going he's going to move the mic now he's going to move the mic stand now now he's going to say this blah blah blah, blah, blah. and it's like and you can see all the mechanisms because you did it all yourself yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my early gigs so i did one liners to begin with and between every single one i'd go huh, unbelievable while i was trying to think of what the next joke was <laughs> even though whatever i said was completely believable and not even that yeah. funny but between every line huh, unbelievable right <laughs> i didn't get much further than that to be fair <laughs> yeah honestly mate and it's like if i ever saw them clips now it just makes me cringe but like at the yeah. Time. it's just you do what you got to do because it's, your brain's telling you, you shouldn't be there. <laughs> there is, there's, there's another thing that uh, happens a lot with uh, with open mic nights, which they, they all do. And I remember I did this, and I come unstuck very quickly, which is like try to work out what your unique identifier is, and then deliver your set through that perspective. So for me, I, I was down south, and I was delivering a set as a northerner. Yeah. That worked fucking okay to a point until I went to the north. 
I thought, oh, actually, my set's going to, it's not going to fucking work here, is it? <laughs> the whole fucking Northern. What am I going to do here? But the, the unique identifiers, that gets really old with new acts quickly because you, you're yeah. watching them and you're thinking, all right, in a minute, they're going to surprise us all with their uh, any one of the above. Autism, lesbianism, <laughs> gay, you know what I mean? It's, and and it, 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 the whole bunch of stuff like that. So like, you can see it coming down the road at you like a shit train. It's just like, you know, honestly, just 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 say some funny shit. We, we don't really need to know who you are. We just need to sort of superficially like you whilst you're saying funny shit. Yeah, especially with new acts, because I think the, the, the misconception at the start is that... that you know who you are on stage as well. Well, you know who you are off stage and that's all valid in your personal life to, you know, make people aware of this, that, and the other on stage. No, you're, no one knows who you are. And you don't know who you are yet. Just go and tell jokes, try and be funny. Stop trying to get a, yeah. like you say, trying to get a little bit of a free pass by going, Oh, I've got this. This is a thing. And oh, yeah. bless me. Aren't I brave? Like, that's what I don't like. I yeah. don't start a gig off. Like you don't come here. Like you want a fucking competition. Yeah. You ask yeah, for yeah. the gig, come and do your best. And if you, if you die, you die. Like you know, metaphorically, obviously I don't know how bad the condition is, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like just, just go and do it. Level playing field, hunger games, just get chucked in, do your yeah. shit, see how you come out. Right. And then when, and actually the longer you do it and you develop the skill set to talk about tricky subjects, which I think, the, the material I burned at the beginning in my head where I've done a little joke about a thing which could have been good if I had the skill set I have now or in the future or whatever. And I think the temptation is to try and be too open too soon when you're a comedian and go, I'm suffering from depression. I'm so, and do you know what? It's so important to have these things in any, to talk about and make it accept, open and normalize it and all the rest of it. Particularly guys our age, like the, we're, we're the worst ones for talking about problems, right? Um, but you need a skill set to be able to do that right. Otherwise, you just sound like you're looking for sympathy. And I yeah. think that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or you're looking for hero points. You, need, you know, it wears. Stop looking for hero points. Just make people laugh, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. you're still thinking about, like, I see with Anna Act not that long ago, and the, and the, and the list of credits at the beginning. <laughs> it was like, I was just. About, Hello. <laughs> Lenny, mate. That's my dog warning me that a postman walked past. You're such a cliche. Calm down, mate. Um, he's so funny, though. We worked out, though, if he's in his crate, he never makes a noise. So when he's scared, it's because he's like, you need to protect me. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Stop it. I, um, I can't believe I've sat here all this time without letting the dog out for a piss, actually. So it normally happens. Oh, he's just a lazy. Like, once he's had his walk, he'll have a bit of a 10, 15 minute madness when we get back, and then he'll just sleep like he's a lazy sod. But. It's fine. Calm down. Calm down. Um, okay, remember what we talking about. It. Yeah, well, no, there was an act that came out and they had all, it was like, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this and that. And it was like the first three minutes was just rattling through this stuff. And it's like, you're going to tell a joke tonight or, or do we have to... It's, it's almost like it becomes a bit of a... I think you could reveal those things within the jokes as you go if you wanted to. It's a bit like you had to be there. <laughs> like, I don't need all the backstory. I think, I think there's a... <laughs> A mindset of whilst I'm up doing this five minutes, it's all about me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and actually, it's it's not all about you. And I know, I know, it might seem like that because everyone's pointing in your direction, looking at you, and you're the only person with a microphone. But it's actually all about you making everyone else laugh. It's yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's it's a different thing. As a, as a sort of side product of you making everyone else laugh, it sort of becomes about you. 
But it's not about well, you, you first. Of, you know what I mean? Learn that with, um, you kind of learn that with the MC. And like, I predominantly did that to start with, I guess, because I was just better at that than I was at doing a set to begin with. Um, so you just learn. And, and and actually, I think the best nights I've had is where it's just, they feel like, do you know what? It's that thing when you MC a night and someone comes up to you at the end and goes, have you ever thought about doing comedy? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I used to get yeah, really yeah. offended by that, really annoyed. But then actually, it's, I think it's a massive compliment that they just felt like I'm their mate and I'm just going, oh, look at this comedian and we're all in it together. You just feel like, I think when you're nailing it as an MC, you're just a, an extended part of the audience going, yeah, oh, yeah. Look, guys, aren't we excited? This is happening. Like, um, And I think because I love it so much and it's so much fun and anything can happen, Like, I think that when it's going well, that's what comes across. So people don't think there's anything more to it. But yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my job there isn't about me. I've seen MCs that get a decent laugh and you're like, perfect time to bring me on. And then they go, fucking hell, brilliant. They love me. I'm going to do another five and drive this bitch into the ground. Like, and, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. and it's like, whereas actually the biggest thing, it's not about you. Like, and that's what I kind of say to people when they say they want to start MCing and they ask me about it. It's like, just remember, it's not about you. You're the least important person in that room, but you're the most important at the same time. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They don't. They don't need to remember you. They need to go. That the guy who was hosting was good. That's the best you'll get, probably. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, and then you need them to just, just everyone be ready for the max to come out and get it out the right time. And that's removing your ego at times. Like with my gigs, I'll leave it loose. Like I can do anywhere between ten and fifteen to start. Where I think if if I get a huge laugh at eight, I'm gonna bring the opening act out. Like once they're ready, they're ready. Like it's, other that, it's pure ego beyond that. When you're doing your set make it all about you if you want but as long as they're laughing right but, you know yeah exactly i mean i should say i've seen your development from when we we were both open spots um i i sort of fell off the rails and sort of did, just did um uh, promoting but i've seen your development you've gone from uh an all right mc to a fucking fantastic mc so thank you very much. You, you know, it's, it's it's true, Jason, and it's a uh, welcome. This uh, sunshine being blown up your backside. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it is very true. Um, but there you go. Now we're sort of near the end. I like to kill the room a little bit, so to speak. There's a there's a bit in uh, in our normal pod, which we don't always have something for. To be fair, but it's called contrition. So is there anything that you you feel the slightest bit sorry for, and you'd like to sort of say, I feel. You know, if I could have done things something different or I feel sorry that I've, I don't know, left the toilet seat up, whatever it is. <laughs> the biggest thing I'd like to apologise about is in the summer, being at a family barbecue for my nephew's first birthday and their housewarming uh, sort of thing, a bit of a joint party. And I get a call from my agent saying, can you get to Chester? And I was like... Yeah, because it's for a big promoter. So I was like, of course, good opportunity. I wasn't working. Money's good, right? And then I bowl into the kitchen to talk to my wife and say, hey, this thing's good. And in that moment, I like, I know I'm bursting like I'm a fucking on-call doctor being asked to save someone who's had a heart attack. Whereas actually, I'm like, I've got to go. Someone needs to hear this fucking joke about my dog in Chester in right. four hours. Like, I'm out of it. <laughs> and it's like, and her just going, okay well that's sad but like yeah cool like safe journey do you want to take any food with you like the level of understanding there yeah. it doesn't even dawn on me in that moment sometimes but it's nice to go oh yeah no i've got my wife's a fucking gangster she, <laughs> like, she's, she's supporting you well J- jason i've been in the same room with yourself your wife and reginald d hunter when reginald d hunter watched you mc and uh I can't remember the exact words he used, but to paraphrase, he thought you were 
fucking excellent on that night. And and to hear Reginald Lee Hunter say that, and have your wife sat there, listen, she's got faith in you, man, and uh, and, and rightly so. I'll be honest, I'm not a, I'm not a huge comedy groupie. There's a handful of acts that I've met and I've been like, absolute fucking... This, I love comedy and I love watching acts, but there's only a handful of acts I've met over the time doing it where I've been like, holy shit, like, this is so cool to meet. Kind of, and Reginald D. Hunt was one of them. I, d- I don't know if I told you this story, right? So you'd booked me to MC that gig however long before. Um, obviously, it's normally months in advance, isn't it? So yeah. I see a poster come up on my timeline. See Reginald D. Hunter... I see weird coastal boys. I turned to Jess and I went, fuck, like I know Paul, I'll send him a message, get a couple of tickets off him. So we don't have to pay a booking fee or whatever. Do you fancy it? And she was like, have you read the fucking poster? And I was like, no, no, look. And I was the MC and I was like, holy shit. So I was like, I would have just come to that as a fan <laughs> of Reginald D Hunter. Uh, right. So, so I booked you and not told you he was on. No, I didn't know who was closing. So I just see this poster come up um, like three months later or whatever. And I'm like, literally saying to my wife, fucking love Reginald D. Hunter. Paul's a mate. Let's go support his night kind of thing. Like, it'll be cool. Plus, Southwold's a lovely place. We'll have a day, maybe make a day of it. Yeah, kind of. yeah, yeah. She's like, uh, like read read the poster, dickhead. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm already going. I was like, oh, shit, they're paying me to go. Like, and then I'm like, do you want to come? Why don't you come to the gig? Brilliant. And we go. And then he turns up and he's as cool as you think he's going to be. He's yeah. absolutely sound. And yeah. then, um, yes, yeah, so a little bit of a fanboy for him. Um, so I was actually like, a bit like oh, I can't. You know, and you're hoping he's going to be a nice guy as well because you don't want him to be a douchebag. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. kind of, and he called and he was cool and he turned up early to what and saw a lot of what I did, which doesn't always happen with closers as well, which yeah. is cool. Um, and then, yeah, at the end, I think I was talking to you or whoever else was in the room. And I could just hear him having this conversation with my wife and he's like really bigging someone up. And I was like, who the fuck's he talking about? Like, <laughs> like to my wife in front of me, you fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. So for him to say, and also I thought it was a really nice thing because that was almost the crux of the conversation was keep doing keep supporting this man because he's good like and it was that and, and and i'll be honest that was a real proud moment for both of you. it was you're buzzing and it's one man's opinion it doesn't change your living you still got work hard but it's a bit of validation that you don't often get and for my wife to be there as well and having seen what was a great gig and all the rest of it in the lovely venue it was just one of those nights where you're like yeah, no, this is the good stuff. Like, this is the good stuff. It, it was an act of generosity on his part. It really yeah. was. Um, it, it's, uh, I've met him a couple of times now, and he can teach you a lot about being graceful. Um, the last time I put him on was at my Woodbridge gig, and there was a what I'd like to refer to as a red wine Karen, which is like, <laughs> yeah. you, you get them, a woman of a certain age who's had too much red wine, and they just won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> so Reginald D. Hunter comes out, he's, he's a couple of minutes in, and she's gobshying, she's going, Hello, Reginald so he stops and he addresses her. He said, "Hello, ma'am." <laughs> you know he does yeah, in his sort yeah, of a, yeah. his uh, deep south sexy voice. He said, "I love you, Red." He said, "Oh, ma'am," and he um, he asks her her name, gives her a little bit of attention, and he thanks her very much. Right, ninety percent of other acts would have told her to shut the fuck up. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And and he, he yeah he, he just. Blew back a bit of sunshine, gave her exactly what she wanted, but with fucking ribbons and bells on top. Yeah. And then she sat for the rest of the gig absolutely quiet and made up. And I thought, yeah. All right, I've not seen that before. That's a brilliant way of handling it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, back to what we were saying before. Go and watch the pros because you see how they deal with shit, you know? They've just got different gears. They've been there, they've done it all, and they're that assured. And actually, like, I, I, 
booked Reg for one of mine a while after met him at yours. And um, it's that thing where, actually in a negative, because you, your mind starts playing tricks on you about half an hour before the before the headline is due there. I was just, in my head, I was like, if he doesn't turn up, doesn't <laughs> it doesn't affect his life in any way, shape or form. But I look like I lied to all these people about him coming yeah. in. <laughs> Um, and then obviously he rocked up completely professional blah 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 like no issue whatsoever it's just that little that little monkey on your back going hang on a minute what if it don't come goes back to what we were saying about the gig maths really on sorry we'll just draw it back to the gig maths when people say oh yeah yeah, yeah, all these people that fear when you're waiting for your TV headline to turn up and and if if you book them through off the curb you haven't even got a fucking telephone number no, that's what happens, yeah. Off the curb, that's if you can get them to email you back in the fucking first place. Like, I'm having a joke with them at the moment. Like, they're ridiculous. But, um, uh, yeah, put that in a pet peeves or whatever it was. <laughs> but, yeah, no, the, um, yeah, those nights where you just stood there because you think it doesn't matter to him. Like, and I'm, you know, you hope it does and he'll turn up and there's not going to be a problem. But yeah. if something comes up in it that's derailed his day and he's just like, he's not going to be feeling that bad by tomorrow about not coming. Whereas, we're going to be standing with 300 people going, I reckon you lied. <laughs> I don't think he was ever coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and the other thing is like, we're talking about the, the stress of gigs, that particular gig. Um, we get to the venue and uh, they've told us there's 300 chairs. We've sold 300 tickets and they had 150 chairs. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and this poor woman who's in this like a council building, I go to her like, uh, the the other chairs in that that cupboard over there. She's like, no, no, that's all the chairs. I said, no, no, just three hundred. She went, yeah, yeah, three hundred capacity. It's only one hundred fifty chairs. I was like, oh my god. Like, we have an email from you saying you have three hundred chairs, and she's like, no. And I'm like, I'm in this this poor girl, right? I'm going to her. If we don't get these chairs, you end my business tonight. Like, <laughs> there's going to be a hundred and fifty people being told to stand up at a gig. Like the complaints will bury me by the end of the evening, oh. let alone by anything else. And this woman, right, she's like, luckily it was in a place called Camborne, and there's like five or six different council buildings around there, for like cricket pavilions, this, that, the others, loads of stuff there. So she buggers off in like a basically a um, Vauxhall, um, no, Volkswagen Golf or something like that. Polo, even small car, just starts coming back with five chairs at a time. And then me and the sound tech run after her with a people carrier and this, that, and the other. We're just gutting these chairs from other buildings, getting this fucking. So everyone sees me go up at eight o'clock, giving it the big and come on, people do this straight into the crowd work. At seven o'clock, I was still fucking running around the village, bringing the last of the chairs in until we had enough chairs for so that thing. Knocking on people's I... houses. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then an hour later, I'm like, if Reg don't turn up, I'm going to burn this fucking building down with everybody in it. Like, uh, <laughs> 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 rather than it's just make it look like a terrible tragedy rather than a terrible gig. <laughs> you, you, you were emceeing as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <sighs> Shit, man. See, that's, when that's one of the reasons why I stopped them seeing. One is because other people are much better than me, and I'd rather them do it. But the other thing is, is that the stress of running a night on its own is just too much. And then to go onto stage and then MC, I don't, I, you know, I, that, that, takes, that takes a lot of metal, that. At early doors, like I said, Leanne would run the bar, and I would just do the door and stuff. And then... Um the bigger the gigs got and the more frequent they got, like I ended up just sort of saying, like, I'm not going to get, I can't get involved in the door. Cause it's like, I'm about to go on stage and someone's like, you know, if you've got any more chairs out the back, mate, 
and like because they think it's like you know <laughs> have you got have you got a towel like i've just spilled my drink yeah. and i'm like mate i'm the fucking comedian like yeah, yeah it's yeah. almost like and i started getting in my head a bit that if i'm on the door at a big gig it's gonna look like i've gone on stage to say sorry um can the owner of a voxel corsa please move it from the fire <laughs> like so and i think i'm on the back foot already so it's yeah. like i needed a bit i've got no problem setting it all up beforehand but i like that little bit of distance before the gig so it's like no i'm the, I'm the comedian like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm here for a reason not just because we read like no one turned up or yeah. i finished my shift on the cloak but yeah (laughs) as we get to the end is there anything that you want to be plugging no honestly the only thing i plug is live comedy obviously i love it when they come and see my shows you love it when it comes to your shows but we just need people out there seeing this shit (laughs) it's big deal comedy weird coastal boys as it's a shaft of whip like any of them Uh, if you're local to any of them gigs go see one if you're an open mic spot uh new act any of that wherever you're at go watch comedy like we were saying earlier you'll learn more from that than going around with your four or five mates telling each other you roofed it when you didn't right yeah yeah yeah. and and actually it's all relative you probably did roof it as far as you are in your career at that point but you need to go and see what it actually how it evolves over time as an act and all the rest of it just come out of your comfort zone like you got into comedy knowing it would make you uncomfortable and then you just settled into a comfort zone like get out of it again do what that initial bravery you had to get on stage in the first place use that to go to gigs you don't know people you don't know work with people you don't know places you've never been go and do that talk to strangers and see how you get on absolutely be permanently outside your comfort zone it's the perfect place to be it's such a weird thing to do though isn't it comedy like just get in front of strangers and go well everyone pay attention i'm the i'm the most uh yeah no nope, <laughs> you should only be listening to me now it's such a fucking mental thing to it do is. like you can't just you go you've got to work hard at it <laughs> Jason, Jason, mate, honestly, I can't begin to tell you how grateful I am. Not, not just for starting me off in um, uh, helping starting me off in my own comedy trajectory with the open mic gigs at the beginning, <laughs> and, and lending then, lending, then lending me a PA. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's always a delight and a pleasure watching watching you thrive, mate. Honestly, and, and that thing you've got going with your sister and Big Deal, amazing, fantastic, um, absolute big up to you, mate. And uh, thank you, thank you very much, man. Mate, thanks for your support. You were one of the first ones to put me on big stages as well, mate, with uh, the George in uh, Yarmouth and places like that. And just, yeah, I love work. Your gigs are always lovely, mate. The lineup's always great. There's always a banging little buffet out the back, like, which you can't put a price on, to be honest. Everybody, you, you, like, you can't, it's normally from Aldi, mate, but yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. You go to most of these places, you go to really nice places and you're trying, like you're arguing for half an hour to get a jug of water. Like Paul's got, this is, again, a, a surreal moment for me, just sitting in um, the green room of uh, South old arts the arts center or whatever it is watching reginald d hunter eat bag after bag of prawn cocktail walkers mate there was it was mind black it's quite seductive really i'll be honest i didn't want my wife anywhere near him because i was like he was having giving me a tingle just eating a bag of crisps i was like it's a fucking handsome man <laughs> <laughs> so when i said i'll be honest when he was saying nice things to my wife about me i feared for the worst i feared like, I, what he's saying, I might be driving home alone here <laughs> <laughs> If you'd have asked me to come home with him, I'd have left her there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, thanks for all your support, mate. Really appreciate you having me on. Sorry I derailed um, what you'd normally do with this stuff. But it's been That's all right, mate. I was hoping you would, honestly. That's it. Thank, thank you very much for having me, mate. It's a pleasure. Yeah, brilliant, man. T- uh, yeah, well, cheers. I'll, I'll fade in the music in this bit.
Support Kai and Pablo by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash promotermouths.